Hi, everyone. I'm Pat Abendroth. I'm with Mike Grimes. Welcome to The Pactum. This is episode 32. We're going to be talking about The Pactum on The Pactum. That sounds kind of weird, huh, Mike? The Pactum on The Pactum. (laughs) Yep. You're going to have to hang on, though. We're going to get to it in just a moment. I do want to say thank you for listening. We're getting lots of good feedback, lots of good responses. Give us five stars. Write us a good review. Uh, It really helps us. Our pay will probably double, if not quadruple. We're already making millions off of the podcast. You may wonder, though, why we ask for you to do reviews. It's so that it'll move up in the ranks as far as it's easier for people to find. Oh, I just thought it made me feel better no. late at night when I was reading reviews and being depressed or impressed. No, no. the more five-star reviews, the easier it is for people to discover the Pactum. So Good. We have been getting some great feedback, so thank you for that. I do want to give a special shout out today to my friend Don. Don is new here at Omaha Bible Church, and last week I had lunch with Don, and he said, I have a gift for you. And so he handed me this Adidas lunch bag. Uh, And so, of course, I know enough to say, oh, thank you. What is it? Mm -hmm. And it was kind of heavy, had some bulk to it. It even felt a little cold. And he said, Korean corn dogs. No way. So episode 31, right? Yeah. Uh, When when we talked to Mike Abendroth and his fun Korean corn dog story. Episode 30. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, because we're banking and we're ahead of time. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Episode 30. Uh, My mistake. So the funny thing was when we were having lunch, it was Don and his friend Brian who's also new to the church. So he's my friend, Brian. And he, Brian said, what? You know, he heard Korean corn dogs. He said, what? He had the puzzled look on his face. And Don said, you're not caught up on the episodes, are you? <laughs> so we kind of like having our little secret insider Gnostic um, knowledge. Yes, yeah. Pactum verses, yep. Pactum universe, things like that. Uh, because we are our own culture. That's right, we are. So yeah. if you're new to the Pactum, welcome. Yep. Uh, glad you're listening. We try not to take ourselves too seriously, but to take God and his word seriously, which does bring us to the matter today. Yes. Today we're talking about the Pactum on the Pactum. Uh, and so really, in one sense, Mike, this is probably episode one. Uh, essentially, yes. Essentially, this is episode one. We've been getting tons of questions, yes. Mike tells me. Yep. We're going to do some Pactum responsums soon. Yep. But one question that we get quite a bit, yeah. is it fair to say? Yep. yep. Uh, quite a bit is, what is the Pactum? What is that? Well, of course you know what the pactum is or you wouldn't be listening to, to the pactum. Right. But actually, there's a question behind the question. So we do want to talk about what the Pactum is today. This is like this is like episode one. Uh, we're episode thirty-two today. We on purpose or purposely didn't do this on episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh, why why didn't we do the general introductions, who we are, what we're about? Why didn't we do that way back when on episode one, Mike? We really just wanted to get to the meat of the you know theology, just to get to here's things that will benefit the church, benefit God's people, encourage pastors, encourage and equip. And we didn't want to waste an episode saying, hey, thanks for listening to our cool podcast that we really haven't started because we're not going to talk about anything today. Exactly. <laughs> we, we wanted to learn from the mistakes of others. Uh, not that everyone makes that mistake, but we didn't want it to be episode one. Here we are on episode one of the Pactum. It's a podcast. <laughs> I'm Pat. I'm Mike. And we know a Latin word. Yeah. And we we didn't want to sound like we were recording in Mike's parents' basement, uh, even though that is where our secret bunker uh, <laughs> is. <laughs> we didn't want to sound like those people. So we just got right down to it, as Mike said. And knowing 
Oh, you know, another reason is because I, I, I like the ominous nature yes, yeah. of never saying. Yeah. There's a mystery, intrigue. Ooh, I like mystery. I like intrigue. So we wanted to, to get people thinking, uh, but we love the title and it's a little bit ominous, a little bit um, mysterious. So today it's going to be the Pactum on the Pactum. Maybe we should start out by saying, well, wh- what is the Pactum podcast? What are we about? What are we committed to? And if you're asking me that question... <laughs> I'm going to say what we say on our website and our website is what Mike the web address yeah yeah the pactum.org okay the pactum.org <laughs> so we're going to say it's theological discussion for Christ Church yeah so very broad very inclusive because we are inclusive um and so that that it's just theological discussion we want to talk about anything and everything that's theological that's biblical that Christians need to grapple with yeah. uh in this age and so that's what we're all about. I suppose we should introduce ourselves, Mike, because we've learned by now in this age, people don't read things uh, like no, they, they used don't. to. No. So people ask, well, who are you guys and what qualifies you to do this anyway? Well, if you read at thepactum.org, you'd know, but we know uh, not <laughs> yeah. to expect too much. What's a website anyway? <laughs> right? Even though we have uh, extraordinary listeners in the Pactumverse yeah. who are far more motivated than other people. Um, we should probably just say who we are to kind of fill the people in. Sure. Mike, yeah. t- t- tell, us a little about, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> well, I'm Mike Grimes. You, Mike was born at an early age. I was born at an early age in the great state of Iowa. Ooh, Ooh yep. Yes. That's good. That's good. So I was born in Iowa, born and raised there. After I graduated high school, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where I went to Belmont University, uh, majored in church music, and after I graduated, uh, started working at a church in Nashville. Uh, as the music director there, and was there for six years before moving here to Omaha, Nebraska in 2012. To the great state of Omaha? Um, <laughs> to the great place yeah. next to the greatest state, Come Iowa. On. So we uh, moved here in 2012, so we've been here nine years on staff here, uh, Love and Life at Omaha Bible Church. My wife Angie and I have been married for 15 years. We have three kids, three girls, pray for me. Uh, we, right? we have a right? seventh grader, Lexi. We have a fourth grader, Emily, and a first grader, Zoe. So, How about you, Pat? Tell us about you. Well, I am married to Molly, and we've been married for 30 years this year. I keep trying to get her to come on the Pactum to talk about being married to a pastor. She's not quite there, so pray for her sanctification. So Molly and I have been married 30 years. We have five kids, uh, three out of the home, two in the home. We've got a dog named Ozzy who plays the saxophone. <laughs> Ozzy does cool tricks. She does, actually. So we, we've been here for, at OBC since 1998. So we love it here. We love the church. We love the people. We love the ministry here. There's a lot of hungry people who are encouraging. Uh, we absolutely love it. And if I'm not with my family or if I'm not doing some kind of reading or studying, I'm probably on a bicycle. So, so Pat, what about your education? What about it is probably the question my professors would say, but I don't think I read a book until I was my second, uh, second year student at university. So university of Nebraska Lincoln, and I was, I got converted. So I was hungry spiritually, but also I needed to make up for lost time to learn things. So I'm kind of the classic guy who has a hard time academically. I'm the slowest guy in the room. It takes me 10 times longer to learn something, but once I learn it, the good thing is I can explain it to people. So there is that. I guess that's a positive. Then I went on to master's seminary to get my master's degree, graduated in 1996, 
And I do have a demon. Remember we said on a different episode, demons should be exercised Mm -hmm. or cast out. But I do have a doctorate of ministry from uh, the Ligonier Academy, which is no longer in existence. They don't do a doctorate anymore. And now it's called Reformation Bible College. Had a super wonderful experience there. Thankful for that. So enough about all of that. But thank you for asking those of you who have been asking because we do have several listeners. (laughs) And so let's now talk about what pactum means. Yes. What in the world is pactum other than an extraordinary podcast? Yeah, that's easily the number one question I get all the time. What is the pactum? What does that even mean? So the pactum is shorthand, actually, for the pactum salutis. Oh, that solves it right there. There you go. So let, let's close in prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Show notes. So the What's pa- the pactum salutis? The pactum is salutis is uh, the covenant of redemption. So, or the pactum of salvation. So maybe this helps our listeners. If you've, if you've never entertained this before, thought about it, if you have, maybe this will help you to explain it to other people because that's what we do. So think pact when you hear Latin pactum. Uh, so it's an agreement, a pact. That's where we get covenant salutis, uh, salvation, Mm. but typically it's shorthand for the pactum salutis, which is shorthand for the covenant of redemption. And then we probably need to dig in just a little bit more. When you hear the word covenant, I ask you, uh, Pactum verse listener, uh, what do you think? Well, what you probably should think is something very simple, and that's agreement. Mm. If you boil it all down and you, look, and you look at all of the different kinds of covenants, because there are lots of different kinds of covenants in the Bible, uh, one all-inclusive label or definition would be agreement. And so when we're talking about the Pactum Salutis, we're talking about the covenant of redemption, we're talking about the, the agreement of redemption. Mm-hmm. And so, Mike, why don't you take it from there? When we're talking about the agreement, the pactum, the covenant of redemption, uh, who's involved? Uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our triune God is involved in the pactum. So we have the pactum salutis, yeah. the pactum shorthand covenant of redemption, the agreement, if right. you will, the formal agreement of redemption. Yep. And now we're into thinking about texts like Ephesians chapter one. Yeah, that's the go-to. It is a great go-to starting place. There are other texts for sure, but we have the intra-Trinitarian Intrat- covenant of redemption that exists or that is from eternity. So that's really what we're talking about if we're uh, wanting to use it as a label. If you do a Bible search on covenant of redemption uh, in the NIV, the New American Standard, the ESV, the King James, New King James, you're going to get zero hits. Nothing. So, But it's shorthand. It is a label. And I'm going to read now from Sacred Bond, which is by Michael G. Brown and Zach Keel. So they give a great simple explanation of the covenant of redemption, and here it is. The covenant of redemption is a pact, sounds like pactum, mm-hmm. right? Between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with the purpose of redeeming God's elect. Mm. That's very Ephesians 1 yeah. sounding. They go on to say, the Father gave to the Son those whom he chose to save and required him to accomplish their salvation. The th- Typo though his obedient life. It's a, it should be through his obedient life and atoning death as the second Adam. He also promised the son a reward on the completion of his work. The son accepted the father's gift, agreed to the conditions of this covenant, and submitted himself to the father's will. The Holy Spirit promised to apply the benefits earned by the son to the elect and unite them with the son forever. Final sentence for now. Thus we say the covenant of redemption is a, is an intra Trinitarian covenant between the father, son and Holy spirit. Hmm. 
And then on the next page, they offer a summary, which I think is quite helpful. The covenant established in eternity between the father who gives the son to be the redeemer of the elect and requires of him the conditions of their redemption and the son who voluntarily agrees to fulfill these conditions and the spirit who voluntarily applies the work of the son to the elect covenant of redemption, a good, simple explanation to something that is simple and yet super profound. Right. Like yeah. the most profound thing imaginable, I would have to say. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the pactum. Yeah. It's the pactum salutis. It's the covenant. It is the covenant of redemption, uh, the intra-Trinitarian covenant, right. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. What a great reality, though, yeah. huh? Oh, absolutely. And so we wanted to call the, the, the pactum podcast the pactum because... Everything and anything that's ever happened on planet right. Earth has happened in relationship to that covenant. Yes. And so we can talk about anything, and it all relates back to the great reality, which is none other than the covenant of redemption. Yep. And there's, there's all sorts of other texts we could go to to look at uh, and talk about the Pactum Salutis, uh, but we'll not do a deep dive on all those texts today. We want to keep moving through the episode with you, but there are several texts we could go to, to highlight that great reality. Yep. Even more than our listeners, several, there are several, more than several texts. I can't say that word without thinking about it. Uh huh. (laughs) So there are plenty, even when you work your way through, let's say the gospel of John, the son is doing the father's will. He came to do his will. Hebrews chapter 10, behold, I've come to do your will. Behold, I've come to do your will. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 29, if you literally translate it, Jesus says, I covenant to you as my father covenanted to me. ESV translates it a sign and a sign, but it can be translated uh, as I covenant to you. So those are just a couple Mm -hmm. examples, but there are Old Testament texts. Um, We'll recommend some resources if you do want to do a deep dive into the Pactum Salutis uh, as to what it's about and the biblical support for it. But it's sort of like the doctrine of the Trinity. You need to look at the canon and look at the pieces and components, yeah. and you'll conclude, oh, the, 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 the triune God, it didn't just happen because right. uh, there was an agreement. Was, yeah. Think formal agreement. They agreed to do this or it never would have happened. Right. So right. simple yet good, profound, shorthand, the pactum. Yes. And you mentioned a bit ago we chose that because there's, you know, everything in life can be traced back to or relate to the pactum. And so what is it that makes the pactum important in the Christian life? You know, someone may be listening and think, great, that sounds really cool, interesting, but what does that have to do with my life? As one theologian said, he said, it is, th- this uh, covenant of redemption is the foundation of the whole of our salvation. Mm. So talk about important. Yeah. If it's behind everything that has to do with salvation, and clearly it is, yeah. it's important. Apart from the pactum, there would be no incarnation, there would be no resurrection, there would be no substitutionary work of Christ, Uh, there would be no anything, really, if you stop and think about it. Another theologian said, the full reality of God and God's work are not adequately grasped till the covenant of redemption occupies its proper place in our minds. Mm. And I would agree. Uh, Nothing happens apart from the God who works all things after the counsel of his will, chapter 1, verse 11. And so here, the the grand reality of redemption in Christ, predestined by the Father, uh, sent by the Father, uh, applied by the Spirit, um, all are involved. Our one triune God is the God of redemption, the pactum salutis. 
We could also consider the love of God. If you really want to be impressed with the love of God, uh, the love of God is triune Mm. because our God is triune. Our one God is triune. And if you think about this great redemptive act that he accomplishes on behalf of his own, uh, it's really staggering to the mind to think that it is an eternal reality. before the foundation of the world. So if you want to even find motivation for Christian living, think about how great God's love is for us in the Son, by the Spirit. And right there, it gives me enough motivation to want to live for His honor and for His glory. Mm. Well, since you're quoting theologians, I'm going to go ahead and quote Stephen Charna. Oh, you're you're trumping me, even though we are not allowed to say the word Trump anymore. (laughs) You're, You're trumping me on that one. That's right. So Stephen Charnock says... The consideration of this will encourage our faintness, silence our fears, nonplus our scruples, and settle a staggering faith. Is a believer in a storm? Here is an anchor to hold him. Is he sinking? Here is a bow to catch at. Is he pursued by spiritual enemies? Here is a refuge to fly to. A good dose of encouragement thinking about the pactum salutis for the believer. Something that is encouraging as they consider their salvation that was planned and purposed by the Father, accomplished by the Son, and applied by the Spirit. Indeed, indeed. And for those of our listen- those of you who are listening, part of the Pactum verse, who really want to go above and beyond, uh, less time in purgatory, wink, wink, <laughs> uh, read Stephen Charnock on the existence and attributes of God. Uh, great stuff, actually, yeah. uh, but, but kind of a deep dive. So if you thought A.W. Pink was difficult to read, you ain't seen nothing yet. yet. <laughs> okay. You ain't seen nothing yet, but it's actually devotional. Um, so indeed, so it actually is practical because it helps us to think properly about God and how God is uniquely, uh, triunely, if I'm allowed to say that, I'm not sure, uh, for us. Yes. So our, our salvation is sure because yeah. of the covenant of redemption. Uh, and so that certainly complements what you were just saying, Mike. Yeah. In addition, the pactum is important when it comes to our hermeneutics and when, mm. it, when it comes to our preaching. Yeah. And we've, we've gone down this road before, but I'll, I'll reiterate. If you believe in eternity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit covenanted to redeem an elect humanity, well, that's before Genesis 1. And so we're looking for this to unfold and we're looking for the coming of Christ and we're looking for all this to play out because it's an eternal reality. So one great cure to people reading the Bible like the Old Testament as if it's not anticipating Christ is to realize um, we have an eternal God who has an eternal purpose and it centers on the Son, none other than Jesus applied by the Spirit. So that's why we say we should read the Bible like Christians. We should read the Bible like supernaturalists, not naturalists, because we believe in the covenant of redemption. It also relates to Christ-centered preaching. Of course, all preaching should be Christ-centered preaching because of the pactum salutis, Mm -hmm. because of the covenant of redemption. And if you really believe that it's true, well, obviously you're going to say, therefore, there is a plan, there is a purpose. It's unfolding amidst all of the contours, yes. Uh, Unfolding throughout history, yes. But history's headed somewhere, Mm. and it's headed toward Christ. So whether you're a preacher or a Bible teacher or a Bible reader, uh, that should apply to everyone. The covenant of redemption actually uh, matters, and in a certain sense, it is a hermeneutic. Mm. Uh, It is a principle by which we interpret the Bible from the Bible because we know things. (laughs) We know the most important thing. So as we're talking about this and thinking about our listeners and how they might be able to find some more information, do a little deeper dive as we've 
uh, mentioned a couple times already on the episode. What are some good resources that we could recommend to our listeners? I know you read from Sacred Bond earlier. Uh, what, in addition to Sacred Bond by Michael Brown and Zach Keel, would we recommend to our listeners? With a typo. So hopefully they're <laughs> going to give us some kind of kickback feedback. <laughs> I just saw on social media uh, that Michael Brown, who lives in Italy, yeah. has been riding a bicycle. So, oh, serious? Uh-huh. And he's training for some kind of... 100-mile or 100-kilometer Grand Fondo, which is just great fun is what they call it. It's not really a race. Well, it sounds like great uh, fun. Around the big maybe, – maybe it's Lake Cuomo. I'm not sure which lake it is, but it looked beautiful. Huh. So um, I, just so you know, Michael Brown, I'm happy to offer a little free coaching um, if, <laughs> if it would mean that I could come ride with you uh, in, in beautiful Milan, Italy. Yeah. So, and I found a typo. So <laughs> anyway, there is that. I, I love this little book. It is little. It's – easily digestible. I just sent it to a relative this past week. What this volume, uh, 163 pages, yeah. pretty small, great resource. It really is a great resource. Another good resource would be a book called the Trinity and the covenant of redemption by John Fesco. And that, rem- and it's a little bit more sizable, mm-hmm. But that reminds me, our upcoming conference that we're going to have, yeah. uh, John Fesco is going to talk about issues related to the Pactum, uh, because it is Trinitarian, and the conference is called Our Triune God. Right, yeah. And so that will be helpful uh, as we talk about those things. You can read Lewis Burkhoff's Systematic Theology. That would be another helpful resource uh, for those of you who are big overachievers. You can dive into John Owen's writing about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want kind of a real simple version of these things and you're the kind of person who hears the word covenant and it kind of gives you apoplexy, um, <laughs> makes you nervous because yeah. someone told you that whenever someone says covenant, it's bad. bad. Uh, you could read my dissertation. We could put a link to it in the show notes. Just yeah. skip to the part that's on the covenant of redemption. It's written for people who tend to frown on such things right, yeah. to prove that it is biblical uh, and that it is actually really important. Yeah. So you mentioned people that frown upon such things. Who would be against the pactum? Who doesn't like the pactum? Who's because gonna... if we're talking about the pactum being our salvation from our triune God, who doesn't like that? Plus, I think we have a lot of five stars, so I think a lot of people like the pactum. Right. But oh, oh, I get confused. <laughs> no, 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 pactum Are, salutis. Oh, we're talking about the pactum or the pactum salutis. Yes. So there, there's a short list of people who don't like the pactum salutis. One group of people would be the people we talk about, uh, we label biblicists. Yeah. I think people are kind of catching on these days in evangelicalism, uh, in quote-unquote Calvinistic circles, reform circles, and I think we are getting some traction as to what Biblicism is and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. So I'm thankful to see that in social media. But Biblicism, we talked about on episode one, and we did it on purpose. It's when if you can't find something in a Bible word search or in a Greek dictionary, it can't be true. Uh, which is rather, it's juvenile, it's silly. Um, Something can be theologically true and biblically true, even if you can't find it in one verse with that title. So thankfully, we have lots of recovering biblicists Mm -hmm. who have benefited from the pactum. Check out episode one if you would do that. Another group of people that would not like the covenant of redemption would be Arminians. Notice I didn't say Arminians. Yes. Um, The followers of Jacob Arminius. So... Strangely enough, though, Arminius himself believed in a version of the covenant of redemption. Hmm. But what, so we're not talking about him, but I think that's really, really that pe- is peculiar. Yeah. Um, but what we're talking about are people who believe that maybe you could lose your salvation. Right. Or people who believe in 
universal atonement. Hmm. So if you are really, really committed that Jesus died to make everyone save a bull, it's a guarantee you won't like the covenant of redemption. Right. Yeah. Now we would like you to like the covenant of redemption. Yeah. But, and think about, uh, think about it with us as to why, if the son was given a certain people by the father, for him to redeem, to be a substitute for, yeah. uh, and he will lose none of them, as right. he himself says. Right. Um, if that's the case, John chapter 6, John chapter 17, if that's the case, then Jesus didn't die just to make redemption possible. Yeah. He came to secure redemption. And if this plan and purpose is before the foundation of the world, then it, it makes logical sense that the son is not going to do something that is contrary right. to the pactum salutis. Right, yeah. yeah. So violate the agreement that was made. It would, it would. Or he would be failing. Yes. Because if yeah. the father sent him to redeem everyone, right. he didn't do it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but we know that that's not the case, given even the verbiage of Ephesians chapter 1. Right. So do keep that in mind, but I do know people who are really radically committed to universal atonement, and it's no wonder they don't like the Pactum Salutis or the Covenant of Redemption because it's oil and water. The two don't go hand in hand. Right, yeah. So as one author said, the effects of Christ's death are determined by the Covenant of Redemption, Hmm. and that certainly would be the case. Now, Pat, I haven't asked you for a long time, but what about dispensationalists? What would they think of the Pactum Salutis? Well, at least dispensationalists like John Walvoord, uh, he was against it. Covenant theology, he says, which covenant of redemption is part of, a, of covenant theology. Mm-hmm. He, former president of Dallas Seminary, says covenant theology is definitely a product of theological theory rather than biblical exposition and is built upon a spiritualizing method of interpreting the scriptures. Mm. So that's from his book called The Millennial Kingdom. Uh, no fan of the covenant of redemption as well as other covenants in covenant theology. So for, for people like Walverd, and I guess I've been there, done that, if it's not called explicitly called and labeled a covenant in the Bible, then it can't be one. Um, never mind the fact that as we looked at Luke, the Luke text, actually the word is used there for the son and the father. Uh, plus, we have all kinds of things, labels, whether it's the hypostatic union or the Trinity right, yeah. uh, or other things that we, we use certain labels because the elements are there, the components are there to make it real. So surely there was an agreement if Ephesians 1 is what it is. There was an agreement between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, that's called a covenant. So it is what it is. Dispensationalists typically don't like the covenant of redemption. I remember hearing one famous dispensationalist with my own ears talk about uh, the covenant of redemption. And I was so pleased. I'd read about it before, but I was a seminary student, and I was so pleased to hear the president of the seminary call it the covenant of redemption. That was John MacArthur, uh, only to hear later that the dean of the seminary, this is secondhand, but I heard through the grapevine that the dean took him aside and said, don't call it that. Hmm. See, because as dispensationalists, we don't want to call it that because if we do, then we're already talking about covenant theology, giving it some credence. So I'm thankful that that John MacArthur was promoting the covenant of redemption, even if faculty and staff weren't too happy about it. Right. Yeah. Kudos to him. Yes. In fact, here's the quote, the eternal pledge of our salvation, the divine covenant of redemption involved a promise made by the father to the son before time began. That's from gty.org. 
There it some is. pactum loving universe That's right, right there. That's right. That's right. So, but generally dispensationalists uh, don't like the covenant of redemption, sadly, but we like it when they do cross over to the other side uh, to find out the solutions. Right. Well, we don't want to leave the reformed out of our list. Are there any of the reformed camp that would not like the pactum salutis? I think it's fair to say that the classic traditional old school, we could come up with a long list from John Owen to Herman Witsius uh, would affirm the covenant of redemption. Right. Yeah. But in more recent years, there has, there has been a group of people who've opposed the covenant of redemption. Mm. I think it's making a comeback, mm. but maybe we're not supposed to call it a comeback, yeah. but definitely people who have been influenced by people like Carl Bart, who mm. was no friend of the biblical gospel. Um, people who've been influenced by him tend to not like the covenant of redemption. He disliked it because he thought of it as he, he doesn't like anything legal and there's uh, legal aspects uh, to all of this. Mm. So, not to get too far into the weeds, but I wouldn't be the first one that points out the fact that it seems like a lot of these folks who in more recent days have pushed back, those in the Reformed world who've pushed back to, against the covenant of redemption, have been influenced either by Bart or his thinking. Sure, yeah. So it is what it is. Uh, I think it's making a comeback, which is positive. I'm thankful that John Fesco's coming for our conference. I'm thankful that Matthew Barrett, who also would affirm the covenant of redemption yeah. as uh, the intra-Trinitarian covenant, uh, as well as my brother, Mike Abendroth. I'm glad they're coming to help us think through not only issues related to the pactum, but issues related to historic Trinitarianism. Yeah. So... And so since you've mentioned the conference, uh, I will just put out there that the conference is being held at Omaha Bible Church on October 8th and 9th. It's a Friday night and a Saturday morning, and the conference is called Our Triune God, again, with J.V. Fesco, Matthew Barrett, and Mike Abendroth my, coming. My, my brother asked if he could be first. Okay, let's, let's with Mike Abendroth, uh-huh. Matthew Barrett, and J.V. Fesco. Okay, that's alphabetical. There we go, order. that's alphabetical. That's yeah, uh-huh. They're coming to speak. It's going to be a great time. Uh, we'd ask that you register for that. There's no cost. Uh, but if you can register, that would help us know how many people are coming. You can go to omahabiblechurch.org, and you'll find a link right there when you first get to the website where you can click there, get signed up to join us. Again, it's October 8th and 9th. We'd love to have you here. And with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you here next time. No, we won't. We'll listen to you next time. No, we won't. We'll, we'll speak at you. <laughs> oh, join us again next time on The Pactum. 